Sup guys, welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Offset Podcast. Today, Aaron and I will be talking a bit about a collaborative workshop with Future Arts Now, and we'll be taking a look back at our experience at the Culture 4 Pro Breaking event. So, without further ado, let's count it off. One, two, one, two... Hello, Offset Med listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Offset Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm here with Dylan. What's up, guys? And today, we're just going to recap again our crazy week. Uh, We just came off a trip from San Jose doing a workshop with Future Arts Now. Um, We also just came back from San Diego doing another breaking event. Yeah, uh, Culture of Four, one of the bigger hip-hop jams down there in SD. So pretty active with the breaking scene and community. Uh, We just wanted to kind of give some context and background on the behind the scenes of kind of what goes on and what goes into all of this. So let's backtrack. Uh, One of the students that I was able to work with was Audrey. She's a student from Cal Baptist University, athletic training student. And her and I come from the similar hip hop background and community. Uh, she's primarily a house dancer. Uh, I started with popping and breaking and then transitioned into choreography. So we knew kind of the same people and uh, the same dance circuit. When she came up with the idea to kind of bring this workshop into life, I was very, very excited to help her out. So we met up a couple months ago, tried to put the bare bone structures to it to what are we going to present and how are we going to present this in a way that the breaking community can find really receptive. Um, So we went back and forth uh, submitting and editing kind of templates and documents and how the flow of the program was going to look like. And it was a really cool experience for me as well, having to teach what I knew about running a workshop what I've learned from others about running a workshop and having run some own workshops myself and seeing how she would do with it. And it was a really fun experience. You know, I was able to take some time off work, drive up to San Jose, see some old friends, hang out with them, enjoy the city. I even got to visit Apple Park, which is, I mean, I saw it from a distance. I wasn't cool enough to get in the was an expensive place. I'm sure, yeah. Cupertino and the whole Silicon Valley, man. Pretty expensive. But anyways, yeah, I, I met up with her later that day before the workshop, her and her boyfriend, and just talked it out. And, and was we went in, did our thing. Uh, Bobby V was super supportive and even gave us a lot of great feedback and constructive criticism on how we can better adapt our workshop to them so if you guys are interested in kind of seeing the pamphlet we put together feel free to shoot us an email I'm more than happy to share that with you guys um but yeah it went really well i'm super proud of her and we're already working on trying to get the next one up so it was fun this was fun but driving to san jose and back was probably oh, yeah. the hardest part it was a solo trip so oh my goodness yeah, yeah driving long distances alone is never fun 
But I do want to touch bases on like how you met up with Bobby V and how y'all connected and kind of got this ball rolling with the, the breaking, I guess, rehabilitation and an exercise workshop. Yeah, that's really all on Audrey. You know, it was her okay. previous connection with the group. And that is, I feel like it was a very organic relationship that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, Audrey saw Bobby as a, as a mentor as well. And they both want to give back to their own respective communities. And so I was happy to share that information and give her the structure to do that. I mean, we're all in this to help each other mm-hmm. and help the same people. So, yeah, I mean, props to her. Uh, she really did the majority of the work. I feel like I kind of just gave her some feedback here and there, gave her a template and structure to kind of work within. And, man, what came out of it was pretty amazing. Like, with the workshop, obviously it is a workshop environment, so there is no, I guess, competitive nature that's involved because we did do work with the UCBL, Unified Collegiate Breaking League, yep. for short. And how would the environment there, like working with patients versus just working with the B-Boys, you were kind of curious about uh, learning uh, these exercises and drills that Audrey kind of took him through? Yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting question to pose because, you know, at UCBL, you know, the, the main focus of the day is to compete. Right. Right. So we're, you know, us being uh, medical there, it's pretty much reactive at that point we are reacting to anything that may happen on site Uh, we are reacting to if a person or competitor comes to us and asks us for uh, advice or consult with something rarely do we get to be proactive and preventative in that type of environment and context however in this situation in this kind of like workshop class environment I think it's really cool because you get an opportunity and piece of time to demonstrate and show these breakers another way to incorporate movement and movement technique into their training, into their recovery, into their lifestyle. And that's, that's a really different mind shift mm-hmm. for uh, breakers, I feel, is that you know, what they think is their traditional paradigm of like technical training, they also see it as the same as their physical training. Uh, They don't really take the time to dissect uh, what's different and how both are different. And that's one thing that I think sports does a really good job of is, again, kind of differentiating between the technical efficiency and skills. So you're learning your actual, like, where do you place your foot for, you know, this sixth step? How do you maneuver or where's the momentum going to come from when you drive the leg forward, when you start your spin? Versus like, how do we strengthen the muscles to provide that force and effort on that spin? Or how do we provide the core and stability strength for you to achieve that position in that footwork or, or freeze series, for example? Right. So with that in mind, you're, you are introducing this new paradigm, this new way of thinking to around the movement for B-boys and B-girls. So I kind of want to ask, how was the, I guess, reception and the perception of like introducing this new idea to these people who may, may or may not have been aware of like this way of thinking? Yeah, I think that's a really good and interesting question. I think some of the b-boys are already aware about you know how to vary and kind of give their 
body different types of movement to work with to to help really enhance the way they dance and perform. I think some of the kids there because of like just they're young kids. You know, we saw like three different generations of b-boys there. Oh, really? So we're talking like high school, college, and like older than college. Either they're already breaking recreationally or they're pro. Mm. So with that being said, we demonstrated the some basic exercises and movements that we felt that breakers should include in their recovery mobility programs. One of them was a pretzel stretch. It's like, you know, think pretzel, but with a B. And we got them into that position, showed them how to kind of cue and progress those positions with each other. So we made it really interactive for them and showed how it can be applied to their breaking technique. And we re basically retested them in a position where they had to have certain length and tension in certain muscle groups where they have to basically be in that position again and see if they felt a difference. And a lot of the, the kids kind of had that aha moment. They're like, whoa, I couldn't do this before when we tried this position. But then I did this like stretch and mobility drill, and now I can. And it was amazing. <laughs> Did anyone ever have like trouble doing these motions or going through the motions that you guys were instructing at the workshop? I would say yes. They oh, had trouble yeah. because they didn't know what they were supposed to feel in the beginning. Mm, okay. And I think that's really common when you're growing up and learning dance, maybe not from like a, in a learning dance in a formal way. Right. Like you kind of go through the motions of your stretches and exercises, but you really, no one's ever told you, explicitly told you at least, where you should feel them at. Right. Or just like on an even more basic level, like learning how to flex your abs. Like when you're a kid, like you, someone tells the kid to like flex your abs, they may not know like how to actually do that or contract those muscles. Right. Kind yeah. of in the same sense. And it's, I don't know why adults just make things more complicated than they should be, especially when it comes to movement. So, in what sense? When you say flex your abs, right. you need to have the context of knowing where your abs are and what they're supposed to do. Mm. When you can say, why don't you bend your body forward? Oh. And um, or like, right. do it, but pretend like you're bending your body forward into, I don't know, a pool of mud. <laughs> to get some resistance okay so let's frame it around like the b-boys and b-girls then what was there a particular one that they had trouble with or had trouble like feeling i would say so this was a basic demonstration one that we did with them and this is the posterior pelvic tilt or quote-unquote marry me hip flexor stretch so bending the knee hip flexor stretch kind of kind of it's like you're in a lunge position mm, okay 90 90 and essentially, you have to tuck your hips underneath yourself and kind of roll them backwards. Mm -hmm. Your legs don't move. You're not leaning forward. It's just that you're rotating your hips or your pelvis back in order to increase that moment angle and torque on that front hip to feel that stretch. And for some of them, they're like, I've never thought my hips could do this. Or like, wow, that was a lot stiffer than I thought. Or like, wow, this was a lot harder than I thought it was. 
it's kind of reintroducing this idea of like body awareness because you know when you get started in a dance and you've been doing it for so long it gets encoded in your in your memory and your system to the point where it's like well this is what i was taught but if you never go beyond that in kind of like a freestyle aspect then you never really get to explore what else is there all right so that's why i have a lot of respect for kind of like people kind of dedicated to the freestyle craft where they have to figure out how to move and use their bodies in different ways, angles, and positions. And by doing so, you'll explore that maybe your joints are more capable than just moving up and down, flexing up and down, right? There's side to side, there's rotation, and a lot of different things that can happen. But when you're younger and kind of more focused on the technique or gaining the technique, I think that possibly instructors should kind of give some sort of foundational basis of what body movement is. Right, and where that specific movement comes from. And where it comes from and how you can drive and let, you know, that body movement go. Almost like, almost like weight distribution, right? Like when you first learn how to, um, I don't know, put, put weight in your hands. How do you transfer your weight from one hand to the other hand? Mm-hmm. Or how do you transfer that from like one, if your weight is in one foot to the other foot as you kind of complete this sequence of moves? Uh, just kind of paying attention to the detail and going a little bit slower. I think that's kind of a lost teaching art form right now. People want to move really fast and learn combinations really, really fast. And by doing so, if you don't know where it's coming from, then people are going to cut corners. Right, and cutting corners would result in potential injury because you're not giving yourself the most optimal way of executing a single move where you're straining one more muscle compared to utilizing three, say, like just a movement requires three muscles, right? Instead of learning and breaking it down and understanding to use all those three muscles, most people would just want to, even most people resultingly would use only two or one of those muscles and strain them without really being aware of it, right? Kind of. of, not really. Okay. I want, I think this is a good example though. Okay. Because I want the general public to move beyond the idea of muscles in motion. Mm. How so? Well, in the sense of that I, you know, our bodies are kind of dynamically moving. So in reality, you'll never really have one muscle acting alone. Like just for you to hold your hand out and give someone a high five for someone thinking about what's happening at your hand and your fingers they might be saying well it's it's your uh it's your wrist it's your finger it's your elbow extensors meaning that it's working to extend you into that position but it also takes your shoulder muscles to lift that hand above for you to reach that high five maybe when you torque back to wind up, that's like your rotator cuff because now you're getting some rotating muscles. But then all these muscles are what we call prime movers. So they're the ones creating the motion that you see. But on the opposite side, you have tension that is happening on your internal rotators, on your flexors. So they're acting together, but just not in the traditional sense of where we see movement. Mm, okay. Right? So I want breakers dancers people to start understanding their bodies and not just like isolated parts but 
how do these muscles interact with other moving parts? Because it can only do so much by it on its own. And if we address just that particular muscle group, we miss out on the bigger picture, right? Yeah. It's like you look at a tree and you forget that you're in a forest full of trees. <laughs> it's like, I'm just focused on this one redwood. All right. But you're in a forest full of redwoods. And then you'll never know that, I don't know, you may think that one tree is on fire, but you're like, well, where did the flame come from? Maybe there's a tree next nearby that's also on fire. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, is there anything else that kind of stood out to you, like post-workshop? Anyone like come up and ask any particular question or, I guess, follow-up? You know, it was a pretty chill workshop. We were able to answer a lot of people's questions during the workshop, and they still had to practice after. Oh, damn. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, we are definitely working on coming back and trying to do another workshop with them. So we'll keep that on the calendars sometime in July or August. But, yeah, it was a good trip overall. We're lucky to, to have been there. We made some really good connections with other dancers in the Sacramento community. So... Not only was I up there to work with Future Arts Now and Audrey, but TJ, uh, TJ Lee, he's another guy on our staff, and he was also up there working on some of the dancers at, I think, Step One Studios. Mm. So it's more like Sacramento community. So we got some big things coming up in the Bay Area, NorCal area. So, yeah, just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Well, yeah, so you were up in the Bay, and let's bring it all the way back down to San Diego. So what were we doing in San Diego? Yo, shout outs to Aeronetic and the people of Culture of Four. Shout out to Melissa Dow. Shout out to Zero. Like this was a long time coming. I was really excited to do this event. Uh, for those of you that don't know what Culture of Four is, Dylan, you want to give us a background? So Culture of Four, this is the... 15th anniversary the event's been around it's one of the bigger hip-hop jams down in the sd area uh, a lot of big names come out we've seen red bull bc1 b-boys down there b-boys from brazil come out uh people from japan taiwan so on and so forth and it's pretty big event sponsored by uh, a lot of different companies udef uh, silverback open freestyle session and just in this a few but Aaron, what were we doing down in Culture 4? Yes, so we were able to work out a event medical coverage agreement with Culture 4. So we brought the squad back together. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's still a little dry from all the managerial shouting. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's really not too bad when you work with us. Um, but Dylan begs to differ. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, we were there. You know, uh, my friend Scott Lee, ATDPT, came out. Uh, we had Dr. Ben and Dr. Donald from Kinetic Impact also help out. Had a friend, Wes, also come out. So it was a really good time. Um, we got to meet their staff in the beginning and got to educate them about 
what to do in a emergency circumstance, what and the protocols is, were. Right. And this is the culture four staff. Yes, yes the culture four staff, but as well as our staff. Right. <laughs> so everyone needs to know what they're doing. And uh, it was a really great way to kind of like exchange information with them, see what they thought about uh, how medical should run. Mm-hmm. And it was great because we had past experience from helping out at UCBL that we used that model and template and try to see if it if we could adapt it to to this event. Because what's different about Culture Four was there were three different things going on. Right. So in one room we had the all styles battling going on. And then in the main room it was the kids and the pros. Or kids and adults. There kids are of adults. course pros, but it's uh just considered as you know, adults breaking and then kids breaking. Right. So we had two rooms to do event coverage. We also was able to get a private backstage area to do treatments and evals. And then we also happened to get a vending booth as well, which is pretty cool. We didn't have that in the past before, which got us thinking, yeah, we need to bring out some more marketing material. So banner, big banner. (laughs) Big banners signs that means we got stickers coming out and i'm speaking too soon yeah yeah. (laughs) but it's a possibility let's just say that we love stickers who doesn't all right uh so anyways it was really dope event a lot of good vibes we met a lot of really cool b-boys and b-girls like i cannot i cannot even describe how amazing it was to be there with this much talent in the room and everyone was very grateful whenever they saw us um they were they would pull us aside and say hey like we really appreciate you being here we actually saw some old friends now from working the other breaking events in the past yeah. that were also present at the at culture of four and they were just so happy to see us and we were really happy to see them as well so it's really starting to feel like this is this is a family you know where mm-hmm. it's just more than showing up to event doing work and leaving it's like showing up to event seeing your family making sure they're taken care of and then when all is said is done congratulate thank everyone and you hope to see them again soon right and i feel like we're bringing more and more people under that family how was the reception when they actually announced that we were providing this medical care and therapy for the competitors out there in culture four it was pretty cool. So big shout outs to Aeronetic. It was like probably a little bit after half uh, that he gave us the big announcement to the whole crowd. And at that time, you know, the staff was on stage kind of watching the main event unfold. And it was cool because we were in a position where we saw the crowd, we saw the competitors, and we were and they were recognizing us. and. I just think that's so that's so special because you know it's not it's not every day you go to uh, an event and they recognize the sports medicine and medical staff there and now since we're bringing this this service this awareness and promoting this education within their own community I think it only helps us it only helps our cause and it helps other competitors and dancers know that we are here for them. 
And it's true. Like we are trying to provide the best type of care that we can in an event format, never been done before. Um, and we're trying to make sure we do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's it was really awesome that they already recognize it immediately off the bat. I don't have to argue my way there. They're really supportive. They understand the value. They understand the worth. And they're just really grateful to have us there. How was uh, working with, I guess, because we are at a pro breaking event, how was it working with the higher level of talent there compared to like working with UCBL where um, some B-boys and B-girls may not be as far into the game as, say, these guys who are at Culture of Four? I would say with the pros and higher level B-boys here, there's a lot more on the line and they're more apt to seek out preventative services and ask more, especially since, you know, they knew that it was complimentary. Um, But at the same time, I also saw that when we did respond to an injury that would happen, you know, their thought is like, oh shoot, am I going to be ready for my next event? Right. They, they're a pro for a reason. It's because, you know, they're, they're able to highlight and compete. And so they're already thinking about, okay, how do I get back into training? How do I get, how do I even like get ready for the next event? And to me, that's like a true classic athlete mindset. And this is why working with this pop, this particular population just fits so well right because they're hungry for the information they they want to compete at a high level and they will do anything necessary to make sure they get ready for whatever they have to do next right right so for them this is this is their lifestyle this is their livelihood this is what allows them to express and be passionate about what they do and who they are so for us like again it's it's a service that we're honored to be able to contribute to Right. And with that in mind, these are adults that we're talking about. So I want to kind of point the direction of the conversation towards the kids because we did witness a lot of the kids pulling some moves that Holy most adults moly. take maybe a couple of years to learn. Like me personally, like it took me a long time to learn, say, a basic windmill, right? But these kids, they're pulling high-level power moves. The power moves are moves that, let's say, are based using momentum, swinging the legs, spinning on the body, spinning on your head, so on and so forth. But uh, have you ever worked with kids when it comes to like uh, your athletic training background? Yes, definitely have. Although I think the kids that we saw at this competition were probably... The youngest I've ever worked with. Right, because we're looking around like 8 to 14 years old. 8 to 14 years old, yeah. So especially the the super young ones that were pulling out these ridiculous power moves. You know, one of the things that has already been stirring in the sports medicine world is this idea of how, what's it? I think it's early sports specialization and how it's actually harming kids in the long run so the idea is that you know before you would think to get good at basketball say the kid is on track to be an nba star you want to start him as young as possible give him the ball teach him how to dribble teach the skills 
and go on from there. In theory, yeah, I'm like, that that sounds pretty that sounds right. You know, you get more you get more hours under your belt, more practice. Right. In reality, again, we're like complex creatures. You know, we're not just the physical, we're the mental, the spiritual life hands us different cards, genetics play a role in it, adaptation and stress and socioeconomics, like there's things beyond our control that kind of influence what happens to us as we move on to adulthood. And they're starting to see that, you know, for the kids that are specializing in sport earlier and earlier, they're having injuries, higher, higher rates of injuries compared to those that maybe were multi-sport athletes. You're looking at the, if you're looking at more like top professional players in, in sports, they end up being multi-sport athletes. And it's really interesting to see kind of dance go through this, go through this phase where, you know, you're, you're seeing, at least in ballet, they've been doing this for a long time, where you're starting ballet at the age of like three or four. And it's hard to say because now we're seeing young breakers start at that young age. And I'm, and I'm, I'm serious. They're like learning how to do some serious spins, back bends, flips, high power moves that I'm not sure the kids have the stability to handle at repetition. I'm sure they can do it. And I'm sure, you know, they, they are capable of doing it. And I'm not saying that kids shouldn't learn this, this style early on, but I'm saying that the focus shouldn't be to practice like the pros. The focus should be getting good technique, getting good foundation, and again, just like learning how to properly execute these movements because you're trying to develop athletic skills and movements to help prepare them for com- more complex movements. Right. And could the lack of, I guess, focus on, I guess, proper care for these kids, whether it be athletic, physical, so on and so forth, be attributed to by, I guess, the mentality that as kids, we're, I guess, nearly invincible to anything. We can rapidly heal because we're so young and we're capable of having that recovery factor that maybe we may not have when we're adults. I would say, yeah, as a kid, you do have biological mechanisms in your body that allow you to probably recover a lot faster than when you are like, you know, later into adulthood. However, that doesn't change the fact that your, your physical body is still made up of the same type of cells that my physical body is, which means there's going to be a threshold and where things are not meant to be pushed that far on a continuous basis, if that makes sense. Mm. So there's, everyone has their own tolerance, whether it's pain, whether it's range of motion, whether it's uh, how quickly you pick up a skill or don't pick up a skill. Everyone has a tolerance. And I think that especially with what we see nowadays, especially in like the competition circuit with everyone wanting to be amazed and wowed with so much power, I think it's great that you can do it. But again, I think instructors, parents, teachers 
really should start the conversation about what is an appropriate training load for my child, and is this conducive for their long-term health, and is it worth sacrificing that long-term health for short-term fame, right? Yeah, I know plenty of kids that started when, at least within the urban hip hop dance community, start young, are really really good. They're getting a lot of exposure out there, but then they start kind of getting into like the formative years of late high school, college into young adulthood, and they're kind of like, I've been focused on this for so long, I've never really thought about doing anything else,、mm-hmm. and something changes. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's a life circumstance, or maybe they it's burnout. You know, there's different reasons to to change the trajectory of a young performing artist path. Yeah, and that's something that parents should be aware about. You know, just because you start them young doesn't mean they're always gonna follow through all the way to the end.、Mm-hmm. Nor should they have to. It's I mean, I'm a proponent of. You know, it's it's their choice, it's their life, and you know when we think about me and you, Dylan, how we found this art form,、uh, it was volunteer. Like we chose to do this throughout the sacrifice that it gave us. Like it wasn't supported by our parents very much. Not really, no. <laughs> and it was. I mean, when you and I started dancing, it definitely wasn't really cool. Right. It was. We thought it was cool. Yeah, but, we thought it was cool, but like general consensus, not a lot of people really knew what it was or what it could be. Exactly, I remember middle school. I was just like wiggling my arms around. I'm like, this is waving. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I just hope that those that do find the passion early on continue to feel that passion and really mold it in a healthy way moving forward. Because art, dance, it's a beautiful thing, but you don't want that that flame to die out, especially、yeah. in someone who is talented early on. So let's kind of wrap up like this talking point with culture for it, and go with say, would you do an event like this again? Whether it be a pro breaking event, pro dance event, so on and so forth. I would definitely say so. Yeah, this is this is a great way to unite and bring. The medical community and get them involved and have them see what is actually happening right now within the scene.、Uh, with breaking being kind of still like a, it's like an underground culture, but it's getting some like it's getting a lot of like public exposure now. Right, since Olympics are coming around in 2024, and that's where breaking is going to be, hopefully, right in Paris. But I feel like people get exposed to just like the flashy parts of breaking, right? But not in the nuanced, like styles or different kinds of details that we usually see as a dancer because we've been immersed into it. We recognize it, but exactly. I wish I could show people just a pure amount of artistry and athleticism that happens within, you know, a cipher and a jam within an event within the all styles event.、Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that doesn't get highlighted. But it would still blow people away, right? If we can find a way to quantify it in digestible like bits for people to really like understand it how we do, but in layman's terms, right? Kind of like that. I mean, I guess that's more of like a marketing or like 
human psychology, consumer understanding type of question. I don't know if I'm the best to answer that, but I mean, whatever it takes, like I would highly recommend that anyone listening go support and find out where local hip hop dance events are happening. Go support the artists, go support the community, go support the culture. Because, you know, being in performing arts and being in the hip hop dance community, it's very underfunded. You know, people like to be a part of it because of the hype. But when it comes to like really getting down, putting the time and supporting it, right. that's what we need for this community to continue to grow and have people also find a way to give back. You know, that's what Offset Med is doing. We're providing the time, the resources of all these amazing people to give something back. And that's really what it's all about. Straight up. All right, let's go and transition to our final talking point. And I don't know, what have you been doing while we've been away for a bit? And Damn besides doing. doing all these events at break. You don't think I'm working? I don't know, Aaron. <laughs> I've just been here working on the podcast. All right. So uh, in the month of June, uh, beginning of June, I was able to pair up with Scott and we actually are seeing some private clients now uh, out of a training facility in Norwalk. So if you want more information, you can always stop by our Instagram and kind of message us for the details. We are really putting together a summer cohort together. So anyone who's interested in just movement technique, injury prevention, how to engage your body in a different way, especially if you're just used to only using dance as your form of training, this is going to be a great opportunity for you. All right. And speaking of kind of engaging your body while dancing, I think maybe I'm wording it funny. Anyway. Uh, there's something coming up on the 22nd of June, yes? Oh, yes. Thanks for reminding me, man. There's a lot going on in the calendar. and I know. It's picking up. Yeah, it's picking up. So we also have a live podcast and movement workshop coming up on June 22nd. Mark your calendars. It's going to be a super awesome event. We're collaborating with Rob Sai again from Dance Prehab. We're going to get the group and crew together, and we're going to talk all things on how to basically implement injury prevention strategies into your program. You know, this talk is mostly geared towards directors, studio instructors, choreographers. If you teach other people, then you're a coach. And if you're a dancer, movement is your language. So. If you coach movement, come through to this class because that's what we're going to talk about. All right. And, of course, details will follow uh, as the date gets closer. Exactly. So we will probably put together an event page on, like, Eventbrite and give out tickets and stuff. But Instagram is probably going to be the most reliable source of information right now. Sounds good. So, yeah. We're super stoked, super excited to see everyone there. It'll be a great chance if you are listening to the podcast and want to interact with us live we'll be there so more details to come all right and i guess that is about it right unless we got any more points we want to talk about and 
I hope to see you at the workshop. All right, 22nd of June. Mark that on your calendars. Time and details will follow. But I would like to thank you all for listening to the Offset Podcast, me and Aaron. Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, feel free to DM us at our Instagram at offset.med or email us at offsetmed at gmail.com. Otherwise, we hope to see you all in the next one.